glorifying to you and lift up your name. And we thank you, Father, again for this honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we all be seated? <clears throat> Sorry about the projector up front not working. Um, we're going to get the new bulb in it this week and have that thing working again. I noticed some of you are turning around looking for the words of those songs, weren't you? Some of them you didn't know, so you were turning around looking at the projector and the screen in the back. And later on, I'll have you look at that again for just a moment. I want to begin by telling you a, a joke. I uh, heard this, th- I didn't hear it, I saw it on Facebook this week. Or, uh, and you may have already read this one, but I thought it was pretty funny, and I'm going to share it with you, okay? There was a little boy who was in school, his name was Johnny. And Johnny goes to school, and the teacher assigns uh, a class project. We're going to have a discussion time today, she said. And I want everybody to tell me what your favorite animal is and why. So all the kids went around telling the teacher what their favorite animal was. And it came to Johnny, and Johnny said, my favorite animal is fried chicken. (laughs) Well, the teacher was kind of taken back. She didn't know what to think. So she gets mad at him because she thinks he's just making fun of this assignment. So she sends him down to the principal's office. And the principal asks him, Johnny, what happened? He explains to the principal, I like fried chicken. I wasn't trying to be cute. He said, but this is what happened. And when he tells him, the principal busts out laughing too. And he says, well, listen, I'm going to send you back to class and try not to be causing any trouble. Take these assignments seriously, okay? So Johnny goes back to class and the day finishes. And the next day, the teacher says, we're going to do an assignment again. Some of you didn't get to finish, and so we're going to continue that assignment. She said, so I want to know what your favorite animal is. And Johnny, I'm talking about live animals, okay? What is your favorite live animal? So Johnny gets to start. He says, my favorite live animal is a chicken. She says, okay, I may regret this, but why, Johnny, is your favorite live animal a chicken? Because you can fry it and eat it. Back to the principal's office he goes. So the principal says, Johnny, what happened? So the, he tells the principal again, and the principal busts out laughing. He says, Johnny, listen. He said, I'm going to send you back to class. I do not want you to mention chicken, fried chicken, any form of chicken. Just don't even mention it, okay? But I like chicken. He said, I know that, but let's just not, for the sake of this assignment, don't mention chicken. So he goes back to class, and class ends the next day. The teacher comes in. I've got a new assignment for the class discussion. She said, I want to know who your favorite person in the whole world is, and I want you to tell me why. So she goes around the class. There's presidents and, and athletes, and everybody's mentioned, and she comes to Johnny. Johnny, what's your, who's your favorite person in the whole world? Johnny says, Colonel Sanders. The last line of the story is Johnny saying, guess where I'm at now? (laughs) Now, that had nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought it was cute, and I wanted to share it. So there you go, okay? All right. Now, today we're going to be talking about creating uh, memorials. And we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua to talk about that. It's a portion of Joshua I think a lot of you have probably read or are familiar with. You know, in the news today, you can look and you'll see that there's a lot of people destroying statues and memorials and just something that they don't agree with or don't like or whatever, and they don't think anybody else should either, so they're destroying them. Now, it doesn't matter what your view of of a Confederate statues and Confederate flag and all of this, it doesn't matter what that's all about. Because if this continues, then pretty soon the things that you do care about will be destroyed by people who think that they're wrong or they shouldn't be out there. 
And I think that it's a serious thing because you never know what's going to come next as far as destroying historical statues and memorials. We live in a country that's diverse and people, what has meaning for one may not have meaning for the other and vice versa. So we've got to be considerate of that and understand that history is history. We can't rewrite it. We can't change it. We just have to honor it and go from there. Now, you need to, I need to ask you this and think about this seriously. Why is it that we as human beings, just regular people, I'm not making a, a distinction between Christian and non-Christian. I'm just saying we as, as human beings. Why do you think we need memorials? What's the purpose of memorials? Well, I thought about it and I came up with a couple of reasons and there may be more and something different may come to your mind, but at least these are the two that came to mind, okay? I think we need memorials, first of all, because we have a tendency to forget things that we ought to remember. There are things in life that are important that we ought to remember and memorials help us to do that. For example, if you've ever gone to New York and seen the 9-11 memorial, I personally have never been. I have no desire to go to New York. But some have, and they have said that this is an eerie, moving experience to go there. That 9-11 memorial reminds you of a certain time in history that wasn't very pleasant. And I'm sure everybody in here can remember where they were on that day. But that would be one example of a memorial to bring you to remember something that was terrible that happened in our nation. The Vietnam Wall would be another example of a memorial. It's there to help you remember a war that not everybody agreed with, but sadly enough, when the soldiers came home, they were treated disrespectfully by an ungrateful nation and wrongfully. And so this memorial was established years later, but nonetheless to honor those men. And it's a a good thing, and it should have been done. The Holocaust Museum is another example. There are people who are trying, and, and it's a concerted effort here, to make you believe that the Holocaust never occurred and nothing could be further from the truth. And the Holocaust Museum stands as a memorial to an event in history that was a horrible time so that you never, ever forget it, to always keep you mindful of it. So there are reasons for memorials that we don't forget the things that we need to remember. Now, there's another reason, I believe, that we should honor memorials and they should be important to us. Because they remind us of things that bring us joy. They remind us of things that bring us joy. How many of you have trophies at home? Badges, pins, ribbons, things that you have earned, that you've won, that you have worked hard to achieve. Well, those things are like memorials. They make you remember a time in your life where you achieved something maybe you never thought you could. Um, for, For you, a Christmas ornament may serve as a memorial. In other words, it makes you remember something that was pleasant. If you come to my house at Christmas time and ask my wife about what that ornament represents, she'll give you the whole story on all of the ornaments because they all have meaning to her and to me too. There are some that are very special. Uh, our children, you know, reminds us of things of our children, Bible studies we've had in the past uh, years and years and years ago where people have given us ornaments. And we never have forgotten them. And every year it forces us to remember good times and things that happened in our life. And that's, that's to be expected. But now the question is this. Why do we as Christians need to create spiritual memorials in our lives? 
In other words, just not memorials in general, but things that cause you to remember something special about a spiritual event or time or person in your life. Something that evokes happiness and joy and faith and whatever, but it's something that causes you to remember a time where there was a spiritual event in your life that is meaningful to you. These are important. And whenever we look at this passage here in a moment, you're going to see that it's important to God as as well. So today what I want to do is this. I want to talk to you on the subject of spiritual memorials and why it's important that we have them. I'm going to give you some examples of what a spiritual memorial might look like and how you might can begin to create those in your own life. Talk to you about the reasons why they're important and why we ought to be doing it. Because it will make a difference in your spiritual walk. It really will. Now, I want to begin by looking at the passages of Scripture that I have here for you today. And it's going to, if you, I've, I've, I guess I've conditioned you not to bring your Bibles because I put everything up on the screen. So I'm kind of stuck now without the screen being up there. But just listen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Joshua chapter 4. We're going to be looking at some verses in there. Listen very carefully. I'll read it to you. It'll give you the story that I want to talk about, and uh, we'll go from there. This is whenever, remember now, the Israelites are crossing the Jordan River. It's at flood stage during this time of the year, and God just stops the water. The water evaporates, is gone. They cross over, the Bible says, on dry land. And millions of them go across at this point. And this is what happens. So let me begin by looking at Joshua 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing. And carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Now, this is a, a odd request or command here. Right where the priests are standing. Remember, they took the Ark of the Covenant into the middle of the riverbed and stood there until all the people had crossed over. God says, now, Joshua, you get 12 men. Go back over there and get 12 huge stones, river stones, right out of the bed of this river and bring them up. And I'll tell you what we're going to be doing with them. So it says in verse 4, So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulders, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So the twelve men, twelve stones. To serve as a sign among you. Now watch. In the future... When your children ask you, what did these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now there you have it. Twelve stones stacked up in a monument and they are to be a memorial to what just took place here this day. That God brought you through the Jordan River. In verse 8 it says, So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. 
And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua sent up, set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now the story drops down, continues. I want to drop down and read these verses in 19 through 23. It says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, now listen to this, okay? In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What did these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed to the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had all crossed over. So there it is. There's the story. Now, keep in mind that he's reminding them. He says, when your kids in the future or anybody asks you, what does this monument mean? What is a, a memorial to? Then you can tell them there's really two things. It's when God opened up the Jordan and brought the Israelites through, but it also is as a reminder that he did the same thing in the Red Sea as well. Now, why didn't he not set up a memorial at the Red Sea? When they crossed through the Red Sea, why did he do the same thing there? Because they left there. They did not stay. There's no reason to have a memorial someplace you're not going to be. So that would be the reason why they didn't do it. But in this one, this one sort of represents both events. Now, think about this story. Because I want to talk about, okay, so there's this little monument there of these 12 big stones out of the river. What is it a memorial to? I mean, it's supposed to be a memorial to what exactly? They crossed the river, okay. But what all is involved in that? Well, let me share with you a couple of things. God wanted them to remember and to understand that on that day, Israel faced an impossible situation, and God overruled. See, they faced a a natural disaster, a natural phenomenon, the flood. And God said, I'm going to overrule this, and I'm going to stop it, and you're going to cross over. So it was a day in which they are to remember that God brought them through this ordeal safely. There would be many more times like this in the history of Israel. But God is basically saying to them, whenever you, let's say, face the battle here in Jericho, we're going to talk about here in a few weeks, and you have doubts about me, you have doubts about what I'm going to do for you, you have doubts about whether you're going to be okay in this, then you come back here to Gilgal, and you look at these stones, and you remember what I did for you already. See, this act, this, this, this monument, if you will, served as a living example of what God had done in the past. And think about this, because this is what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual memorials. Things that remind you of an event or something that God has done for you in the past. Here's another thing that I believe these, this memorial was supposed to remind them of. And that is that God keeps his promises. They were to be reminded that God keeps his promises. Do you realize that from the time that God called Abraham to leave his country and go to, to this promised land, and it was just Abraham and his family, from the time God did that, 
and you went through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then they ended up in Egypt and they were there for 450 years and wandered in the desert for another 40. Do you, re- do you understand that that was 700 years ago? That God made a promise to them 700 years earlier and on this day God fulfilled it. And God says to them, don't you ever doubt that when I make a promise to you that I will not fulfill it. Because I will. And I want these stones to serve as a memorial to you that God keeps His promises. There's another uh, thing that I believe is tied up in here, and that is that this little memorial that is set up here provides provides tangible proof of this event. Now, what I mean by that is this. There's something unique about the memorial itself. Why, what is so special about these stones? They're river rock. Do you know what is unique about river rock? It's smooth. If you've ever taken a stone from the bottom of a river that's flowing, you know that it's smooth as it could be. It could be round, oblong, whatever. But there's something unique about river rock. And every time people would look at this, they they can't say, well, somebody just set this up from stones they gathered out of the field. No. These stones came out of the bottom of that river over there. There's no other place they could have come from. And so every time you look at it, you have to acknowledge the reality of this truth. That God did this. And only God could have done it. So these are all the things that I believe, and there's probably more, that are supposed to be captured in this memorial. God wanted them to remember this. But now let's change gears a little bit, okay? Let's talk about us. And let's ask this question. Why is it that Christians today need spiritual memorials? Why is it that we ought to have these things in our lives? Things that cause us to remember spiritual events. Why do we need these? And why are they important? Well, there's a couple of reasons that come to mind. Folks, there's, there are whole generations growing up that have no knowledge of who God is and what He's like. And they've got to have some basis to put their faith upon to, to, to say, this is a reason why I need to take a look at this. There are genera- there's a generation, and it's probably past, present, and one right after ours, that slowly but surely they are walking away from the truths that they've been told. And they need to be reminded from their parents, their grandparents, whoever it may be, that this is who God is, and this is what He's like, and this is what He's done. So yeah, we as Christians need to set up some spiritual memorials in our lives. Here's another reason we need to do it, and that is that we ourselves, not our children, but we ourselves, we tend to forget God's blessings as time goes on. We forget. The things that God's done for us in the past, they're just faint, distant memories. Unless there's something that we look at, something that we touch, something that reminds us, you know what? God did keep His promises to me. God has been faithful to me. God has blessed me. And I have forgotten it. I have put it to the side. But now I remember. And now my faith is encouraged because of it. And these are the things that we need. 
How do we create them? What are some examples? What are you talking about, Pastor? What are some things that would serve as memorials, spiritual reminders for us today? Well, here's the unique thing about it. It could be anything. For example, it could be a photograph. A photograph that reminds you of a time in your life when you were close to the Lord, when God had done something wonderful in your life, when God had brought you through a horrible time, when God was faithful to you, when you were happier, when you were closer to the the Lord. Let me show you a photograph that I have had in my desk for many, many years and I look at from time to time. Now you're going to have to turn around. Can we get it up on the screen in the back? All right. Look at it very closely. Who's the thin, handsome gentleman on the left? Who is that? Yeah, that's me. Now this is in 1987 when I graduated from seminary. That's graduation day. We were up at Prestonwood Baptist Church, June of 87. I want to say 31 years ago. Does anybody know who the gentleman on the right, or your right, who, who that is? Anybody? Chuck Swindoll, that's right, yeah. If you don't know who Chuck Swindoll is, he's a prolific Christian writer, pastor. He used to be um, uh, president of the seminary for a while, and he's got a church over in Dallas now. Now, I told people in years past, when I was up in Indiana, I said, Chuck came to see me graduate that day. They believed it. I'm not going to tell you that because I'm sure Texas people are smarter than that. But at any rate, uh, he was there. He had graduated from the seminary a long time ago, and he was just happened to be there for the, for the graduation. And I was able to corner him in the foyer and threaten him, to, you know, if he didn't take a picture with me. So yeah, I had my picture taken. Now, you can put that down now. And uh, here's why that is so special to me. Now, there's a couple of reasons. And I've had this in my desk for years, and every now and then I'll be looking around for something, and I'll come across it. Um, you know, it marked a time in my life, like I shared with you a little bit last week, when I had gone through, uh, you know, a long time of school, and I was about, I about had it. And I never thought it would come to an end. I never thought I could accomplish that. But God had brought me through it. So it's, it's an important time because it's a picture of a graduation that was dear to me. But it has an extra significance to me because of who's in it. You see, you need to understand that when I first became a believer and I started teaching in my little church Sunday school class that I was going to, I was using some of his books way back then. I was using study guides that he had written. He's written study guides since then on every book in the Bible. And they're very brief and to the point, and they're good because he always gives practical applications. Just one, two, three. Here's the applications. And that's the way I like to to read. Then when I was in Florida, going to Bible college in Florida, I taught Sunday school classes there, and I had a little church that I pastored at. Man, I, I relied heavily on him and what he had written and then when I went out to, to Dallas and I was again involved in a church out there and would teach at Sunday school classes of 50, 75, 80 people at a time, um, I, here again, I used his material. Um, Indiana, when I was pastoring up there, I would use his material to prepare sermons, applications, things I'd never thought of. I'd say, man, that's great. I, this man has gotten me through so many years of ministry. And so, you know, as I look at that, I'm reminded of, the, of God's faithfulness and how, you know, God not only brought you through your journey, but God provided for you, you see. 
God provided for you somebody to mentor you. And he didn't even know it. It was his books and his writings that meant so much to me. Now, I look back at times because, uh, you know, I had a guy, I had a professor in seminary said, if you're a pastor, you probably will want to resign every Monday morning. Um, He's being facetious, but the point is this, there are times in ministry where you do. And so every now and then I bring that picture out and it reminds me of what's been accomplished and how God has sustained me and to trust God for the future. Because to me, that's a memorial of to cause me to remind, to remind me of something very special. Now, it could be a photograph that you have that's very special to you. Maybe a Sunday school class that you had years ago that you were involved in and you have long since forgotten how God used you there. It could be any number of things. A dear friend that ministered to you spiritually years ago and you have long since forgotten what God did in your life years ago. So that photograph would serve as a reminder or a memorial. Now there are other memorials that we can set up for ourselves, uh, trophies. Um, your, how many of your children have gone through Awana? Raise your hand if you've got a child that's gone through Awana. Man, I can tell you, my kids won all the trophies, mainly because Deborah was behind them, kicking them in the rear end. They weren't going to quit, you know. And, and I appreciate that, and I think the kids did too. But they've won awards and trophies and all this stuff and patches. And there are times when they look back on those things and they remember a time in their life when God was doing something in their life as well. How many of you have gone to prison with us? Have, raise your hand. How many of you have gone to prison? There's a few in here, yeah. And you know that when you've gone to Bill Glass Prison Ministry and gone into the prisons five times, they give you a cross. And the cross is made of stainless steel, but it's made out of a jail cell. It's the bars and the cross bars of a jail cell, and they put it on a nice stand and put a uh, tag on it and so forth. Um, and you look back at that and you can remember. You know, when I went on my first prison ministry, I was horrified, scared to death. And God blessed me and I talked to somebody and they came to Christ and I was all excited and I went back four more times and got this across. And, and it reminds me of what God did that I never thought He could accomplish in my life. And it reminds me of how God took me someplace spiritually that I, I didn't want to go, but I'm glad that I did. See, that's what trophies do, and that's what a memorial is all about. It could be special keepsakes of any kind, anything that reminds you of a spiritual event in your life. When Deb and I were first started dating, now Deborah shared her testimony before. Um, her mom and dad were divorced. And her dad had been an alcoholic all of his life until the last eight years of his life, which were when we started dating. And um, he gave up drinking just like that. Started going to church, renewed his faith, recommitted himself to the Lord, and was a different man. And I can remember the first time that Deborah and I went down to see him because, you know, they're divorced, he's remarried. And we go into his home and... On the mantle of his home is a fifth of whiskey. Unopened, the seal still on it, right there on the mantle. Which is kind of odd for an alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic. And I asked him, Herb, what's that all about? And he says, well, that's there to remind me who I used to be. 
And that's there to remind me what, you know, God has done in my life and how I've ended that. But it's also there to remind me that every day when I walk by it, I have to make a choice not to do it. I have to choose not to do it. And nobody's there to tell me I can't. We're not hiding all the liquor in the house. Or, you know, we're not doing that. He said, this is the only bottled liquor in the house, and it is there to remind me that I can choose it or I can choose not to. And I choose not to. See, to him that served as a memorial, a reminder that God brought me out of this mess, and it's always right there in front of me, and if I don't stay on top of it, I'll make a choice to go back into it. So I'm not, just won't. Kind of an odd memorial, but that's a memorial. You know, for you, it might be a journal where you've journaled something in the past and you've written down miracles that you've seen in in the lives of other people or something that God's done for you. It might be the journal that you go back and read again. That's, That's a memorial. Might be a note, thank you note from somebody or a letter from somebody saying to you, Thank you and I appreciate you for what you have done in teaching the class, ministering to my children, feeding me when I needed, giving me money when I needed help, whatever it may have been. And years later, when you're struggling with your faith, struggling with your relationship to the Lord, you bring that out again and you read it and it is an encouragement to you. That, my friend, is a spiritual memorial. And these are the things that you need to hang on to and these are the things that you need to to remember. But probably for us as believers, the greatest memorial that God has given us is right here. The communion table, the Lord's Supper. Because you see, God established this for believers to remind us of who He is and what He's done. Because I've got to tell you, it's not that you forget, it's that you allow everything in the world to come first. And sometimes you begin to have doubts. Sometimes you become insecure in your relationship to the Lord. Sometimes you're fearful of things you've done and things that you want to do and wonder if God still loves you. And God instituted this with his disciples the night that he was taken and crucified the next day. And they gathered there in the upper room, and here's what he said to them. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19, the last part of this verse, he says, as he took the bread and passed it to the men, he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's a memorial. You do this to remember me. Paul records the event of that night as well in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25. And he says this in the last part. He says, when he took the the juice or the wine in that context, he says, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So in both situations, the bread and the juice are given as a memorial to remember him. Now, why is that necessary? I mean, how many of us as believers are going to forget that? But like I said, it's not a matter of you forgetting it. It's a matter of you letting other things come first. They cause you to fear and doubt and be discouraged. 
And you go through things in life where you have failed and you begin to question, does God still love me? And you begin to do things that are sinful. And sometimes it seems like you maybe can't control it even though you can, but it seems like you can't. And you begin to ask yourself, will God forgive me? What if I'm really not a Christian? I've had people ask me that. What if I'm not? I said, if you weren't, you wouldn't be asking that question. But God said, listen, whenever you, just like the the Jews of the Old Testament, whenever you start to have doubts, whenever you're uncertain, you come to the table. Because when you come to the table as a group of believers and hold in your hand these elements, you are forced to acknowledge that Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. And see, when I understand that, When I understand, and I'm reminded again, and I never let anything get in between me and that truth, that Jesus paid it all from the time of birth to the time of death. Jesus made the payment, and I have accepted it. It's all covered. Then I don't have doubts. I'm not afraid. There are plenty of things in life to cause you to doubt, and cause you to be afraid, and cause you to be discouraged. But this is the memorial that God has established for the church to come together to remember. And so today what we want to do is this. We want to do that. We want to come together and we want to acknowledge who He is, to be reminded of what He's done. And foremost, to remember and to say back to God, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. So what I want to do is ask the men to come forward, if they will. The guys that are serving, you guys come up. And what we're going to do is just distribute the elements. We'll do the bread first. And everybody wait until everyone is served before they partake. But let this be a memorial to you today. Let it remind you of the body that was broken for you. Everything that you should go through because of your sin. Now think about this. Every torment, every pain, every ounce of suffering that you and I as sinners ought to go through at the hand of a holy God, Jesus took it. That's the point. He took it for you. And he says to you that when you put your faith in me, then you don't have to experience it. I did it for you. And then the juice represents his blood that is shed for you. All of the things that I've ever done from birth to death are covered by his blood, the sacrifice. And so, yeah, when we come here for this, this is a solemn occasion because we are forced to remember, forced to acknowledge, forced to worship. Because when you hold in your hands the body and the blood of Christ, what else can you do? So as we come here together, let's do that. Just quietly, reverently, just thank God that he paid it all. Gentlemen, let's distribute the elements.